Letters of Oscar Wilde, Volume Two, eighteen ninety to eighteen ninety five. Exchange with the editor of the St. James's Gazette, twenty sixth to twenty eighth of June, eighteen ninety. From Oscar Wilde, Art and Morality, by Stuart Mason. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rob Marland. Mr. Wilde's Bad Case. To the editor of the St. James's Gazette. Sir, I have read your criticism of my story, The Picture of Dorian Gray, and I need hardly say that I do not propose to discuss its merits and demerits, its personalities or its lack of personality. England is a free country, and ordinary English criticism is perfectly free and easy. Besides, I must admit that, either from temperament or taste, or from both, I am quite incapable of understanding how any work of art can be criticised from a moral standpoint. The sphere of art and the sphere of ethics are absolutely distinct and separate, and it is to the confusion between the two that we owe the appearance of Mrs. Grundy, that amusing old lady who represents the only original form of humour that the middle classes of this country have been able to produce. What I do object to most strongly is that you should have placarded the town with posters on which was printed in large letters Mr. Oscar Wilde's latest advertisement, a bad case. Whether the expression a bad case refers to my book or to the present position of the government, I cannot tell. What was silly and unnecessary was the use of the term advertisement i think i may say without vanity though i do not wish to appear to run vanity down that of all men in england i am the one who requires least advertisement i am tired to death of being advertised i feel no thrill when i see my name in a paper the chronicle does not interest me any more i wrote this book entirely for my own pleasure and it gave me very great pleasure to write it. Whether it becomes popular or not is a matter of absolute indifference to me. I am afraid, sir, that the real advertisement is your cleverly written article. The English public, as a mass, takes no interest in a work of art until it is told that the work in question is immoral, and your reclame will, I have no doubt, largely increase the sale of the magazine in which sale i may mention with some regret i have no pecuniary interest i remain sir your obedient servant oscar wilde sixteen tide street chelsea june twenty fifth to this the following editorial note was appended in the preceding column will be found the best reply which Mr. Oscar Wilde can make to our recent criticism of his mawkish and nauseous story, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Mr. Wilde tells us that he is constitutionally unable to understand how any work of art can be criticised from a moral standpoint. We were quite aware that ethics and aesthetics are different matters, 
and that is why the greater part of our criticism was devoted not so much to the nastiness of the picture of dorian gray but to its dullness and stupidity mr wilde pretends that we have advertised it so we have if any readers are attracted to a book which we have warned them will bore them insufferably that the story is corrupt cannot be denied but we added and assuredly believe that it is not dangerous because as we said it is tedious and stupid mr wilde tells us that he wrote the story for his own pleasure and found great pleasure in writing it we congratulate him there is no triumph more precious to your aesthete than the discovery of a delight which outsiders cannot share or even understand the author of the picture of dorian gray is the only person likely to find pleasure in it mr oscar wilde again mr oscar wilde continues to carry on the defence of his novelette the picture of dorian gray writing to us under yesterday's date he says in your issue of to-day you state that my brief letter published in your columns is the best reply i can make to your article upon dorian gray this is not so i do not propose to discuss fully the matter here but i feel bound to say that your article contains the most unjustifiable attack that has been made upon any man of letters for many years the writer of it who is quite incapable of concealing his personal malice and so in some measure destroys the effect he wishes to produce seems not to have the slightest idea of the temper in which a work of art should be approached to say that such a book as mine should be chucked into the fire is silly that is what one does with newspapers of the value of pseudo-ethical criticism in dealing with artistic work i have spoken already but as your writer has ventured into the perilous grounds of literary criticism i ask you to allow me in fairness not merely to myself but to all men to whom literature is a fine art to say a few words about his critical method he begins by assailing me with much ridiculous virulence because the chief personages in my story are puppies they are puppies does he think that literature went to the dogs when thackeray wrote about puppydom i think that puppies are extremely interesting from an artistic as well as from a psychological point of view they seem to me to be certainly far more interesting than prigs and i am of the opinion that lord henry wotton is an excellent corrective of the tedious ideal shadowed forth in the semi-theological novels of our age he then makes vague and fearful insinuations about my grammar and my erudition now as regards grammar i hold that in prose at any rate correctness should always be subordinate to artistic effect and musical cadence and any peculiarities of syntax that may occur in dorian gray are deliberately intended and are introduced to show the value of the artistic theory in question 
your writer gives no instance of any such peculiarity this i regret because i do not think that any such instances occur as regards erudition it is always difficult even for the most modest of us to remember that other people do not know quite as much as one does oneself i myself frankly admit i cannot imagine how a casual reference to suetonius and petronius arbiter can be construed into evidence of a desire to impress an unoffending and ill-educated public by an assumption of superior knowledge i should fancy that the most ordinary of scholars is perfectly well acquainted with the lives of the caesars and with the satiricon the lives of the caesars at any rate forms part of the curriculum at oxford for those who take the honour school of literae humaniores and as for the satiricon it is popular even among past men though i suppose they are obliged to read it in translations the writer of the article then suggests that i in common with that great and noble artist count tolstoy take pleasure in a subject because it is dangerous about such a suggestion there is this to be said romantic art deals with the exception and with the individual good people belonging as they do to the normal and so commonplace type are artistically uninteresting bad people are from the point of view of art fascinating studies they represent colour variety and strangeness good people exasperate one's reason bad people stir one's imagination your critic if i must give him so honourable a title states that the people in any story have no counterpart in life that they are to use his vigorous if somewhat vulgar phrase mere catchpenny revelations of the non-existent quite so if they existed they would not be worth writing about the function of the artist is to invent not to chronicle there are no such people if there were i would not write about them life by its realism is always spoiling the subject matter of art the superior pleasure in literature is to realise the non-existent and finally let me say this you have reproduced in a journalistic form the comedy of much ado about nothing and have of course spoilt it in your reproduction the poor public hearing from an authority so high as your own that this is a wicked book that should be coerced and suppressed by a tory government will no doubt rush to it and read it but alas they will find that it is a story with a moral and the moral is this all excess as well as all renunciation brings its own punishment the painter basil hallward worshipping physical beauty far too much as most painters do dies by the hand of one in whose soul he has created a monstrous and absurd vanity dorian gray having led a life of mere sensation and pleasure tries to kill conscience and at that moment kills himself 
lord henry wotton seeks to be merely the spectator of life he finds that those who reject the battle are more deeply wounded than those who take part in it yes there is a terrible moral in dorian gray a moral which the prurient will not be able to find in it but it will be revealed to all whose minds are healthy is this an artistic error i fear it is it is the only error in the book the editor added to this letter mr oscar wilde may perhaps be excused for being angry at the remarks which we allowed ourselves to make concerning the moral tale of the three puppies and the magic picture but he should not misrepresent us he says we suggested that his novel was a wicked book which should be coerced and suppressed by a tory government we did nothing of the kind the authors of books of much less questionable character have been proceeded against by the treasury or the vigilance society but we expressly said that we hoped mr wilde's masterpiece would be left alone then mr wilde like any young lady who has published her first novel at the request of numerous friends falls back on the theory of the critic's personal malice this is unworthy of so experienced a literary gentleman we can assure mr wilde that the writer of that article had and has no personal malice or personal feeling towards him we can surely censure a work which we believe to be silly and know to be offensive without the imputation of malice especially when that book is written by one who is so clearly capable of better things as for the critical question mr wilde is beating the air when he defends idealism and romantic art in literature in the words of mrs harris to mrs gamp who's denying of it heaven forbid that we should refuse to an author the supreme pleasure of realising the non-existent or that we should judge the aesthetic from the purely ethical standpoint no our criticism starts from lower ground mr wilde says that his story is a moral tale because the wicked persons in it come to a bad end we will not be so rude as to quote a certain remark about morality which one mr charles surface made to mr joseph surface we simply say that every critic has the right to point out that a work of art or literature is dull and incompetent in its treatment as the picture of dorian gray is and that its dullness and incompetence are not redeemed because it constantly hints not obscurely at disgusting sins and abominable crimes as the picture of dorian gray does mr oscar wilde's defence to the editor of the st james's gazette sir as you still keep up though in a somewhat milder form than before your attacks on me and my book you not only conferred upon me the right but you impose on me the duty of reply you state in your issue of to-day that i misrepresented you when i said that you suggested that a book so wicked as mine should be suppressed and coerced by a tory government now you did not propose this but you did suggest it 
when you declare that you do not know whether or not the government will take action about my book and remark that the authors of books much less wicked have been proceeded against in law the suggestion is quite obvious in your complaint of misrepresentation you seem to me sir to have not been quite candid however as far as i am concerned this suggestion is of no importance what is of importance is that the editor of a paper like yours should appear to countenance the monstrous theory that the government of a country should exercise a censorship over imaginative literature this is a theory against which i and all men of letters of my acquaintance protest most strongly and any critic who admits the reasonableness of such a theory shows at once that he is quite incapable of understanding what literature is and what are the rights that literature possesses a government might just as well try to teach painters how to paint or sculptors how to model as attempt to interfere with the style treatment and subject matter of the literary artist and no writer however eminent or obscure should ever give his sanction to a theory that would degrade literature far more than any didactic or so-called immoral book could possibly do you then express your surprise that so experienced a literary gentleman as myself should imagine that your critic was animated by any feeling of personal malice towards him the phrase literary gentleman is a vile phrase but let that pass i accept quite readily your assurance that your critic was simply criticising a work of art in the best way that he could but i feel that i was fully justified in forming the opinion of him that i did he opened his article by a gross personal attack on myself this i need hardly say was an absolutely unpardonable error of critical taste there is no excuse for it except personal malice and you sir should not have sanctioned it a critic should be taught to criticise a work of art without making any reference to the personality of the author this in fact is the beginning of criticism however it was not merely his personal attack on me that made me imagine that he was actuated by malice what really confirmed me in my first impression was his reiterated assertion that my book was tedious and dull now if i were criticising my book which i have some thoughts of doing i think i would consider it my duty to point out that it is far too crowded with sensational incident and far too paradoxical in style as far at any rate as the dialogue goes i feel that from a standpoint of art there are true defects in the book but tedious and dull the book is not your critic has cleared himself of the charge of personal malice his denial and yours being quite sufficient in the matter but he has done so only by a tacit admission that he has really no critical instinct about literature and literary work which in one who writes about literature is i need hardly say a much graver fault than malice of any kind finally sir allow me to say this such an article as you have published really makes me despair of the possibility of any general culture in england were i a french author 
and my book brought out in paris there is not a single literary critic in france on any paper of high standing who would think for a moment of criticising it from an ethical standpoint if he did so he would stultify himself not merely in the eyes of all men of letters but in the eyes of the majority of the public you have yourself often spoken against puritanism believe me sir puritanism is never so offensive and destructive as when it deals with art matters it is there that it is radically wrong it is this puritanism to which your critic has given expression that is always marring the artistic instinct of the english so far from encouraging it you should set yourself against it and should try to teach your critics to recognise the essential difference between art and life the gentleman who criticised my book is in a perfectly hopeless confusion about it and your attempt to help him out by proposing that the subject matter of art should be limited does not mend matters it is proper that limitation should be placed on action it is not proper that limitation should be placed on art to art belong all things that are and all things that are not and even the editor of a london paper has no right to restrain the freedom of art in the selection of subject matter i now trust sir that these attacks on me and my book will cease there are forms of advertisement that are unwarranted and unwarrantable i am sir your obedient servant oscar wilde sixteen tide street s w june twenty seventh once more the editor attempted to justify his reviewer's trenchant criticism mr oscar wilde makes his third and we presume his final reply to the criticism which we published on the picture of dorian gray somewhat grudgingly but in sufficiently explicit terms he withdraws the charge of personal malice which he brought against the critic and which we may again assure him is absolutely unfounded but he adheres to the other charge of critical incapacity mr wilde assures us that his book so far from being dull and tedious is full of interest an opinion which is shared see the letter we print on another page to-day by his publisher's advertising agent in advance well we can only repeat that we disagree with mr wilde and his publisher's paragraphist quite apart from ethical considerations the book seems to us a feeble and ineffective attempt at a kind of allegory which in the hands of abler writers writers like mr stevenson and mr anstey for instance can be made striking or amusing mr wilde also says that we suggested that the author and publishers of the picture of dorian gray ought to be prosecuted by the tory government by which we presume he means the treasury no we consider that such prosecutions are ill-advised and expressly suggested that such action ought not to be taken against a book which we believed to be rendered innocuous by the tedious and stupid qualities which the critic discovered and explained secondly mr wilde hints that the rights of literature include a right to say what it pleases how it pleases and where it pleases this is a right 
not only not recognized by the law of the land but expressly denied by penalties which have been repeatedly enforced then what does mr oscar wilde mean by talking about the rights of literature we will not insult an artist who is by his own account unmoral or supramoral by suggesting that he means moral rights but he tells us that limitations may be set on action but ought not to be set on art quite so but art becomes action when the work of art is published it is offensive publications that we object to not the offensive imaginings of such minds as find their pleasure therein letter from a london editor in the same issue of june twenty eighth appeared the following letter to the editor of the st james's gazette sir if mr oscar wilde is the last man in england according to his own account who requires advertisement his friends and publishers do not seem to be of the same opinion otherwise it is difficult to account for the following audacious puff positive which has been sent through the halfpenny post to newspaper editors and others mr oscar wilde will contribute to the july number of lippincott's magazine a complete novel entitled the picture of dorian gray which as the first venture in fiction of one of the most prominent personalities and artistic influences of the day will be everywhere read with wide interest and curiosity but the story is in itself so strong and strange and so picturesque and powerful in style that it must inevitably have created a sensation in the literary world even if published without mr wilde's name on the title-page viewed merely as a romance it is from the opening paragraph down to the tragic and ghastly climax full of strong and sustained interest as a study in psychology it is phenomenal judged even purely as a piece of literary workmanship it is one of the most brilliant and remarkable productions of the year such sir is the estimate of mr wilde's publishers or paragraph writer note the adjectival exuberance of the puffer complete strong strange picturesque powerful tragic ghastly sustained phenomenal brilliant and remarkable for a man who does not want advertisement this is not bad i am sir your obedient servant june twenty seventh a london editor mr oscar wilde's defence to the editor of the st james's gazette sir in your issue of this evening you publish a letter from a london editor which clearly insinuates in the last paragraph that i have in some way sanctioned the circulation of an expression of opinion on the part of the proprietors of lippincott's magazine of the literary and artistic value of my story of the picture of dorian gray allow me sir to state that there are no grounds for this insinuation i was not aware that any such document was being circulated and i have written to the agents messrs ward and locke who cannot i feel sure be primarily responsible for its appearance to ask them to withdraw it at once no publisher should ever express an opinion of the value of what he publishes that is a matter entirely for the literary critic to decide 
i must admit as one to whom contemporary literature is constantly submitted for criticism that the only thing that ever prejudices me against a book is the lack of literary style but i can quite understand how any ordinary critic would be strongly prejudiced against a work that was accompanied by a premature and unnecessary panegyric from the publisher a publisher is simply a useful middleman it is not for him to anticipate the verdict of criticism i may however while expressing my thanks to the london editor for drawing my attention to this i trust purely american method of procedure venture to differ from him in one of his criticisms he states that he regards the expression complete as applied to a story as a specimen of the adjectival exuberance of the puffer here it seems to me he sadly exaggerates what my story is is an interesting problem what my story is not is a novelette a term which you have more than once applied to it there is no such word in the english language as novelette it should not be used it is merely part of the slang of fleet street in another part of your paper sir you state that i received your assurance of the lack of malice in your critic somewhat grudgingly this is not so i frankly said that i accepted that assurance quite readily and that your own denial and that of your critic were sufficient nothing more generous could have been said what i did feel was that you saved your critic from the charge of malice by convicting him of the unpardonable crime of lack of literary instinct i still feel that to call my book an ineffective attempt at allegory that in the hands of mr anstey might have been made striking is absurd mr anstey's sphere in literature and my sphere are different you then gravely ask me what rights i imagine literature possesses that is really an extraordinary question for the editor of a newspaper such as yours to ask the rights of literature sir are the rights of intellect i remember once hearing monsieur renard say that he would sooner live under a military despotism than under the despotism of the church because the former merely limited the freedom of action while the latter limited the freedom of mind you say that a work of art is a form of action it is not it is the highest mode of thought in conclusion sir let me ask you not to force on me this continued correspondence by daily attacks it is a trouble and a nuisance as you assailed me first i have a right to the last word let that last word be the present letter and leave my book i beg you to the immortality that it deserves i am sir your obedient servant oscar wilde sixteen tide street s w june twenty eighth the last word we should be sorry to deny the ex-editor of the woman's world the feminine privilege of the last word for which he pleads to-day at the same time we cannot admit that we force upon mr wilde the burden of a newspaper controversy by daily attacks 
mr wilde published a book and presumably submitted it to criticism we exercised our rights as critics of contemporary literature by pointing out that we thought the book feeble and offensive mr wilde replies defending his book against our unfavourable criticism and we have again the right to point out that we do not consider that he has satisfactorily met our arguments and our objections for the rest we are quite willing to leave the picture of dorian gray to the immortality it deserves we must add one word we congratulate mr wilde on his emphatic disavowal of the ridiculous puff preliminary which his publishers had chosen to circulate End of section.